0: cool Thanks for your love and support in advance. Simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website and it'll take you where you need to go. Now on to the show Have you tried finding tickets for any live event lately? It's impossible to keep up and prices are crazy. That's why
1: you have to check out Gold Star. Gold Star makes it easy to discover the best in live entertainment in your city with instant access to awesome events and special ticket deals. Concerts, live theater, comedy, dance, food fests, immersive experiences...
0: Welcome to the Prolific Writer Podcast, where speed's the name of the game. Follow an indie author and publisher and his guests as they share inspiration, tips, and advice on writing fast, writing often, and writing well, so you can do the same. Here's Ryan. Well, hello, 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 this is your Prolific Writer Podcast host, Ryan J. Pelton. I am so glad that you are here. However, you found us. However, you are listening to us. How's it going? How we doing? I want to say I have had a enjoyable last week of family vacation. It was amazing. Uh, my wife has some family up in Canada, and so we were enjoying the cool Canadian summer of manitoba a little city called winkler and uh no humidity no bugs uh if you're from the midwest or missouri you know there's a lot of humidity and a lot of bugs and uh, canada was a bugless humidless amazing time so feeling good feeling relaxed feeling saucy feeling excited um and one thing i was thinking about is uh you know it's good to shut it down uh once in a while you need to go on vacation you need to put the hands away the brain away and uh not do the writing stuff and the creative stuff and and just enjoy family friends time away and that's what we did and so no writing no creating just enjoying the canadian weather and family and friends and it was a great time so i'm back in action Been a couple weeks and really excited about the interview uh, today. Episode number 69, I can't believe it. We're almost to 70 interviews, that's crazy. Maria Dismondi is on the show and we've had a little bit of a theme a couple guests ago. We had uh, Casey Cease on the show who's a publisher and we have another publisher this week, Maria Dismondi, who's a traditional publisher and focuses on children's books. And so if you're a children's writer or interested in publishing uh, any kind of book uh you're going to learn a lot from this episode, and so I'm really excited to share this with you uh as Maria shares a little bit of her journey of how she started kind of self publishing and got into the traditional publishing and how she runs her company and, and one of the things that I think is so essential for writers and especially if you want to do this maybe more than just a hobby or more than uh you know a book here or there or or You know, poke away at a novel or a story, but if you want to, you know, take this seriously, and that doesn't mean you have to quit your job or anything or or make a million bucks. But uh, it's to think like a publisher and to learn about publishing and and how it works and and how to get your work out there and and how what to think about when you're designing and creating and, and marketing and all those kinds of things. So we're going to talk a lot about those topics on the show today, and and also you know when you're running your own business. If you're a writer, that's your business. You're a publisher. You're not just a writer. You're a publisher. You're not just an author. You're a publisher. And so you have to think like a publisher. Um, and today it just was timely. I was thinking about, I should say, I wasn't thinking. I, I read something where a, a guy was saying how he has chosen the independent self-publishing route because he went the traditional route. And you know one of the things you learn pretty quick is they just don't have money to market your book unless you're a you know, big name, million dollar seller. And so it's all on you and they don't tell you that. And they don't do events for you and they don't do the marketing for you. They don't tell others about, about your book. And so that's kind of on you. And, th- and those are the things that people think when you're traditionally published that somehow that's just magic and your book will go to a million people and you'll sell a million bucks and sit on an island and sip Mai Tais. But that's not the way it is. And, uh, and so it's, it's a lot of work and uh, a lot of just keep on pushing and grinding and, and sharing your work and getting it out there. So look forward to sharing this interview with you in just a moment. A couple other items. Before we jump into the interview, uh, if you haven't had a chance, uh, I launched a new middle grade book. Um, I write uh, middle grade books under J.B. Ryan. You can check that out on Amazon. I think it's still 99 cents, but I think probably by the time you hear this, it might be uh, full price again. Uh, Middle grade, Ricky Rayburn Chronicles, uh, action adventure series. If you have kids 8 to 12 age, especially boys, I think it's a great read for them. Fun, silly action stories kids who don't like to read trying to write some books for kids that maybe don't like to read but i think you'll enjoy it even girls too uh, if you have grandkids 8 to 12 uh, fun fun read so go check out jb ryan and just look up secrets of the ambassadors you'll, you'll find that all there and i really just loved um Talking to Maria, because we talked about a lot about children's books and just the challenges of that and writing my first children's book. And I've written some adult fiction and nonfiction, but never did children's. And it's such a, a different muscle and, and a lot of th- different things to think about when you're, you're marketing to kids and trying to sell books to kids. Because kids don't buy books. Uh, their parents buy books. And so that's an interesting thing to think about. A um, couple other things. One, as always, uh, today's show is sponsored by Subculture Corsets and Clothing. And I know I talk about them a lot, but they host all of the, or I should say support all of the shows on the Project Entertainment Network, where this show is gladly hosted. So check out those out. I think we have 25 shows now, projectentertainmentnetwork.com. And uh, Subculture Corsets and Clothing, unusual clothing, shoes, and accessories. They offer a wide selection of men's and women's clothing at great prices. Subculture also offers a cool selection of shoes and accessories, steampunk, gothic, apparel, retro, corsets, and so much more at Subculture Corsets and Clothing. Check out Subculture Corsets and Clothing online, subculturecorsets.com. I'll put that in the show notes. And if you go today and you put in the checkout bar, the prolific writer, you'll get 10% off your first order. And also, if you're in the Jacksonville, Florida area, you can visit their store. They actually have a physical store just off I-95, Subculture Corsets and Clothing. Thanks for supporting the show and uh, go check them out. I'll put that all in the show notes. And then lastly, I mentioned a couple weeks ago, Rock House Publishing, uh, our publishing company, uh, is uh, relaunching our site. And we have some cool resources up on the site. I just want to encourage you to go check that out. I'll put in the show notes as well, rockhousepublishing.com. Um, if you're you know stuck on a book, if you're trying to get your work published, uh, maybe you consider publishing with us. We're looking for authors, um, a select few. And uh, if you're interested in that, if you're interested in having someone hold your hand and kind of walk you through um, your manuscript, getting it edited, cover design, formatting, uh, marketing, having a plan for that, all those things. There's a bunch of information on rockhousepublishing.com. Right on the front page, you'll see all that. And also, we have some really cool free resources, kind of built some some courses and some free uh, resources you can check out. Uh, if you give an email address, we'll send those out to you. And we're going to keep building building some, some things to serve the writing community. Um, we really just have a heart for this because uh, we've – I've been through a, a long journey of, of writing and publishing and learned a lot and failed a lot and really feel like there's a there's a lot of bad advice out there and just uh, fell on my face a few times and wanted to um, to learn from that and also say hey we have some some a team of people that can help you with that and want to make your book the best that it can and get your work out in the world and and want to you know help you do that and that's what we why we started this podcast so go check that out rockhousepublishing.com. So, without further ado, Maria Dismondi. Well, welcome everyone to the Prolific Writer Podcast. And uh, today I have Maria Dismondi on the show, and I'm so excited to have her. Uh, I... Found Maria uh, via another podcast, and uh, we've had a couple publishers on of late, and I'm looking forward to talking to her about Cardinal Rule Press and her kids' books and all kinds of stuff. So say hello, Maria.
1: Hi there. Thanks for having me.
0: And Maria, I believe you're in Michigan.
1: I am, yes. We are about 30 minutes outside of the city in Michigan, and we are just loving life with summertime being here.
0: Yeah, Michigan is, is beautiful. I actually, did uh, I did grad school in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And so uh I even I, I don't know if you're a native Michigander, but I do pick up a Michigan accent a little bit. Is that
1: Oh yes, I can yes, yep. and I am a native Michigander and okay. I, I've been told that myself too. <laughs>
0: okay. Yeah, my uh, my wife's actually from Michigan too, and she still has her little accent, even though she's moved a few times. So, uh, <laughs> so you're in good company. I love Michigan, and it's really great to have you on the show. And yeah, before we begin, just tell us a little bit, like where'd you grow up? You know, what do you, what'd your folks do? What you know, how did the kind of writing, creative, publishing, all that stuff, where that, where'd that come from?
1: That's a fun story. So I grew up not too far from where I live now. I grew up in a, a town outside of Detroit. Um, And my mom was a stay-at-home mom for a long time, and my dad was a worker. I mean, my dad owned a dealership. He was an entrepreneur. So it's very interesting because when I think about my parents growing up, I, I really feel like I got some really good stuff from both of them. I've got that work ethic from my dad Um, And then from my mom, she once she was done um, being a stay at home mom and we were in school, she started working at senior homes and she was a housekeeper for the senior homes. And she just really connected with the people. And it was the best part of her job. And I'm a people person and I really connect with my community. So I think I got a little bit from both parents. But, you know, I never wanted to be a writer. And so this kind of fell into my life as like a plan that wasn't really supposed to be a plan. I, I always grew up um, playing restaurant and playing school. So I graduated from Michigan State University as an educator. And somewhere along the line um, of being an educator for just over a decade, I wrote my first book. But looking back into my childhood... I absolutely loved reading and writing. You look at pictures of me growing up. I always have a book in my hand and I have 22 completed diaries from being a child. And so I wrote in my diary religiously. And that was a big part of, um, you know, who I was, was writing. And but it wasn't necessarily, you know, I wasn't writing fiction. I wasn't writing anything but in my journals. And so that really um, became a big part of who I am.
0: Well, yeah, it's, it sounds like, I mean, what you're doing is exactly kind of your wheelhouse. I mean, you got your dad's entrepreneurial business side, the publishing, you got, you know, some reading and writing and, and mom and creativity and work ethic. And I mean, I think all those things are, are such a important part of, of who you are. And um, and I find it interesting, uh, a lot of writers, you know, that, that maybe like yourself, that are a little more extroverted or, or like to be around people, sometimes the, the idea of, sitting down and writing books, um, even those that have wanted to go full-time or whatever, that sounds horrible. Um, you know, how, how, how have you kind of used that to your advantage? Um, you know, obviously writing can be very, very much a solo endeavor, you know, um, sitting in your room, kind of thinking up ideas and stories, but how have you kind of balanced that with, with kind of your, you know, I want to be with people, I want to be with community, uh, you, you know, and not just be kind of isolated in an office somewhere
1: yeah so I was isolated for some time, but it's kind of it, it came all about at a very interesting time when i when I actually resigned from teaching, I will tell you that The first person to um, be concerned about that resignation was my father. And I said, but Dad, I I wrote this book. It's selling. I'm doing these speaking engagements. I can make this happen. He was like, but you went to school to be a teacher. Like, what about your health insurance? So he was really nervous about me going out on my own.
0: It's always the insurance. Uh,
1: Exactly. But those first few years, Ryan, it was very interesting because – The the time when I was really writing a lot, so not only was I writing the books, but I was starting a blog early on, and I was writing five days a week, so I spent a lot of time writing. My children were really, really young, so I had a two-year-old and a newborn when I started my blog, and it was a release for me. So I would wake up before the kiddos, and I'd get like an hour of writing in, and it was so therapeutic. Um, So that is really how I've balanced it. Um, So I didn't feel alone in in the business those first few years because I had so many little people in my life um, raising a family. But just a few years ago, as my children have gotten older and have my youngest is four now, I did start feeling really alone. So I I kept up with my writing, whether it be I'm writing blog posts, guest articles for other people. Um, I do a lot of like interviews, things like that. I felt very alone as far as connecting with other authors or connecting with other people in small businesses. So I joined a mastermind about three years ago, um, probably four years ago now, and was able to connect weekly with the women in my mastermind. So that was one way I helped balance out that whole being isolated as being a writer, but wanting to connect with others. Um, and then after the mastermind ended about two years, we ran every single week, which was so cool and which was a lot of dedication for five women to meet weekly. Um, I started putting together these little pods. And so now, for example, I have, um, a publisher pod and there are six of us. And every six weeks we hop on a call like this, a video chat, and we connect in that way. Mm
0: No, I think that's really good. I, I think what you're, you're hitting on too, is just kind of writer health. And, you know, obviously if you're a writer, you know, you run your own business essentially, especially, you know, indie publishers, self-publishers um, you know, th- that health part is, is important. I mean, keeping people in your life, you know um, you know, family, friends, cause it, cause it does get, you know, it, it can wear on you. And, and it's so great that you've, you found some, some people uh, to connect with. So, Um, so
1: let's, let's and and I would like to say one thing, thing, right. Um, as a writer, I think people need to know that there has to be that balance. You can't just be writing because Mm -hmm. when you have that mind shift of, you know, I'm a writer, but then you shift your mindset to, I'm a writer running a small business. Mm -hmm. You're going to see a lot of great things happening when you're connecting with other people and you're not Mm -hmm. isolating yourself.
0: That's good. That's really helpful. So let, let's talk about a little bit about that first book, because that that kind of, you know, spurred on. Obviously, you, you left, you know, being a teacher and you wrote this book. So but let's talk about a little bit kind of the genesis of the book. So, I mean, was it was it an idea you just had kind of rolling around in your head and you thought, you know, let's let's just put something out there or talk, talk about kind of the genesis of that? Because I think I've heard bits and pieces from other interviews. But but tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, well, I was a teacher, and one of the ways I solved a lot of problems in my classroom was through children's literature. So I would get the kids together, and I would have a specific book that fit the needs of the group, and I would use the book to launch a lesson. So I I was looking for a book that discussed self-esteem and courage in children. I started having a lot of complaints from my students about being embarrassed about the types of food that were they had in their lunches. Um, I had you know a very diverse population of students. And I thought these kids should not be worried about what they're eating or they should be worried about what they're doing on the playground. Like it shouldn't be what their clothing is and what they're wearing and eating. So I started looking for books. I found books about like dinosaurs and teddy bears that were having self-esteem issues Mm -hmm. in children's literature. I was like, what about like real kids? Mm -hmm. So I took a leap of faith and I wrote Spaghetti in a Hot Dog Bun, Mm -hmm. which that wasn't even the title when I first wrote it. And that was in 2006. So about 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I started submitting it. I started doing all the research of submitting it to traditional publishers and signed a deal with a local press, um, in 2007 and the book came out in 2008.
0: Okay. So yeah. So walk us through that, that process on that first one a little bit. So, um, so this is a, it's a picture book. Uh, if I'm cor- incorrect, you can correct me, um, and, you know, obviously has illustrations and all that. So how, how did you, you know, find illustrators? How did you begin writing the book? Because I know kids books, I think uh, I'm actually really glad you're on here because you have the publishing side, but also the kids book side is we've had a, a few kids books, uh, authors, and it's a different muscle, you know, I mean, to write succinctly, to write, you know, poignantly. And, you know, you only have so much runway. Um, so talk a little bit about like, did you have any background in it? Have you tried one before? Like, like, how, where did this book come from?
1: So I literally sat down and wrote the book and I made so many mistakes and um, and I grew as a writer throughout the process, but I did, I, I wrote the first draft and I edited it by myself, which I, I mean, I went to school, I was an English minor, so I definitely had some experience in literature. Um, and then I submitted the book at 1800 word count, which is really high for a children's picture book. Right now the going trend is six to 800 words. Mm-hmm. So when I did find a publisher, um, they're considered a subsidized publisher. So you do put forth an investment It was not considered quite vanity slash self-publishing because it was a company who you were hiring um, and they worked with a distributor. Your books got into the bookstores. So when I finally signed with them, um, they hired their editors to come in. And the first thing the editor said to me was, you need to cut this word count in half. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I don't know how to do that. How do you cut out half of the words? So I learned a lot. Like I literally had in-person meetings with the editor, Kathy, and she really helped to strengthen my um, writing skills during that first book. So, um, and, yeah, then, and then they hired the illustrator. So I didn't have you okay. know, a pick in the illustrator. So they handled the entire process of illustration and editing graphic design, taking it through and getting it um, out into print.
0: Okay. So you don't, you don't do any illustrating? You don't have a background in that? or
1: I do not, no. Okay. Mm-mm. And as a publisher, it's actually one of my favorite things to do is working with the illustrators and having that creative insight. But I definitely don't have mm-hmm. the pen and paper skill.
0: So so when you got your your first book, uh, Spaghetti in a Hot Dog Bun, uh, which looks like it looks like a great book, it's beautifully illustrated. Like when you when you, you know, had the story, you cut it down and then you got those illustrations back and you kind of saw it as it as it was. I mean, what, what was kind of going through your head at that at that point? Did it capture everything that you hoped it would or, you know, uh, just see it kind of come to life? What, what were your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. You know, this was a big risk for my husband and I at the time, um, because, again, I told you I, we had to put like financial investment into it to this. I think it was like thirteen thousand dollars I had to put towards the project. Mm. And, and the reason being, um, the way the royalties work with this press, it was just very different. So t- right now, as I run my company as a traditional press, my authors and illustrators do not pay anything. They receive a royalty in advance. But they're only getting about 10%, 12%, somewhere around that um, range for royalties. So when I was working with this, you put forth the money, but you're getting a higher percentage back afterwards. So when I first did this, I was really scared because my husband said, Sure, go for it. But I was like, Oh my gosh, this is a lot of money. What if I fail? And I honestly had such low confidence in this book. I thought, how is this book ever going to sell? How is anyone ever going to buy this book? How are they going to hear about this book? I have no experience in marketing. And this continues, Spaghetti and a Hot Dog Bun, 10 years later, continues to be my bestseller. I mean, I was on Amazon the other day looking for a book and it popped up in, you know, recommended reads. And it has almost 700 Um, reviews right now and Mm. we're we're almost to a million copies sold total out of all of these books so it's just really I I just didn't believe it would happen Mm.
0: that's great so so talk a little bit about that How, how did you get the word out how did it I mean obviously you had some help with with the the press but you know what I mean was it word of mouth what I mean what was I mean this was 2006 when it finally came out or 2000 a little bit later
1: Yep. 2008, it was officially out. Okay. And then, um, a few months later I found out I was pregnant. <laughs> so it's just really funny how everything happens. Um, so I, yeah, at the beginning I was again, working full time and, um, I just started, I knew that part of what I wanted to do was get into schools. Um, I remember being a teacher loving when the author visits happened, you know, we would fly authors in from all over the country, would put them up in hotels, and they would speak to the the children. And in my head, I always thought, I think I can do it better. Mm -hmm. Like, that's one of my skills is teaching. And, and, you know, I have these dynamic presentation skills. And I thought, I really do think I can do that better. So that was one of the very first things I did when that book came out is I started approaching schools saying, I would love to come to your school. I'll put together an hour program. I won't even charge you a fee. Um, you know, let me talk about the writing process. Let me talk about publishing a book. And so I really took my skill, like my personality skill and communicating with others. And I started going to schools and I didn't charge a fee at the beginning. And I really focused on my connection with the people at the school who are hiring me, who are saying, yeah, come on in, whether it be the principal or the media specialist, taking time to talk with them, asking them for feedback. And I think because I built those strong relationships in the beginning, the word of mouth started to happen. And so that's really how I built this, um, my author brand was from speaking engagements.
0: Mm-hmm. So um, so after after that, what, you know, if if, those of us that are listening that are, you know, kids authors. And I mean, there's, there's a few, we've had a few authors on here, um, thinking about getting into schools, things like that, any wisdom you would, you would give just off the top of your head, what you've learned from that. Um, yeah, best little, a little bit of best practices, you know, how, how do you approach a school? You know, Hey, I got this book and you know, if you don't know anyone, like, what does that look like? You know, some weirdo coming onto a campus, <laughs> you know? So, um, <laughs> yeah, well, you start with your I mean, own kids schools, you know, where do you, where do you begin?
1: Yeah, I think your own kids schools, your own community, people who know you is a great place to start. Um, I think one really good insider tip for people tuning in is to let them know that as an author, um, selling books is one stream of revenue, is one way of bringing in income but it's really not going to be enough. I mean, even these New York Times bestsellers who have their own publicists and they have their own marketing team, typically a publisher is gonna give you support um, for about six to eight weeks during the time of your book being released and then anything beyond that, you're you're gonna be paying out of pocket for marketing and publicity. So I, I think it's important to remember from the beginning, okay, if I wanna truly make an income, if I really want to make this a business, how can I do that? What, what other, what are some multiple streams of revenue I can be bringing in besides book sales and a huge part of my income, like still, even now as a publisher, 45% is coming in from speaking engagements. Um, so then number two, tip number two would do to be, do your research. So I know that here in Michigan schools get some funding for programs like my own. There are some grant programs in Michigan. So I've worked with some of the grant companies. So If a lower income school comes to me, I know I can say, hey, I know that you can't afford my fee, but you can apply for this grant. Here are the steps on how to do it. Um, And then just trying to find out how much do people charge? So at the beginning, like I told you, I started not charging anything because I had zero confidence in the fact that this would work. And then when I started getting some positive testimonials, I would use those in my approach to other schools and I would increase my fee. Um, So a lot of it, I think, is market research. I think you just have to know what people are charging in your area, have the confidence um, and accept feedback. Teachers know kids. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the benefits in in my um, behalf of being an author was that I was also a teacher. So I had that Mm -hmm. training of working with kids. But give the teachers a survey after you go to a school and say, hey, give me your positive. Give me your, you know, um, honest feedback and let me know how I did. And then make changes according to what those teachers and educators say. Are those okay tips? (laughs) Yeah, those are really
0: great. No, I I think I just was listening to a guy. um, I think it's David Hendrickson. And, uh, he wrote a book on, um, how to get into schools for predominantly high schools. And he wrote, wrote some young, young adult stuff. And he, he was sharing some of his advice too. And, and a lot of, it sounds like a lot of schools too. It's very, um, how would you say old school, you know, almost like you have to mail them stuff. You, you know, you have to call them. It's not, you know, emails don't really work. And, you know, getting to know people in person is really helpful.
1: It's Uh, really helpful. And then also after I leave a school, I will send an email and it's not an automated email thank you so much for having me. Hey, if you liked my program, please forward this email to three of your colleagues, because Mm -hmm. that word of mouth has been key in this Mm -hmm. business. That's
0: great. That's great. No. And I think going back to the the multiple streams of income, I think a lot of authors and publishers, you know, they only think books, you know, they don't. and, And sometimes they don't even think, well, it's not only, you know, ebook, it's print, it's audio, it's, you know, there's all these different actual streams and there's different stores and there's, you know, we, we tend to think like, well, if this one book doesn't make, you know, this, they don't think about speaking. They don't think about sharing their knowledge or sharing their experience. I mean, there's so many people that are hungry to to learn and grow and, and just hear from other people that have actually done it. Um, and you don't have to yeah. be a best best selling author. I mean, I think that's the myth. It's like, you don't have to be Stephen King for someone to listen to you to say, Hey, I've, I've been down this road. I've been down this path. Here's what I'm learning. Um, so I think that's really great. Um, so, okay. So, Spaghetti and a hot dog bun. Um, it's doing well. Big investment. You're hoping it, it goes well. And um, so when was kind of the moment where you said, hey, there's something here. Um, I'll, I want to write the next one. Obviously, you've written more than than one book. W- w- what did that process uh, look like?
1: Well, the publisher told me that it would take um, about 12 months to make back my initial investment. And I think I made it back in somewhere between the six to nine months period. I made back that $13,000 and we were already reprinting the book several times. So at that point, I was like, whoa, people are buying the book and this is making money. And this is really cool because, you know, my whole concept was to get that message out. And I was like, whoa, like 6,000 kids have already heard the message. I've sold this many books. So at that point, I was like, maybe I can continue to do this. And it was pretty soon after that 12-month mark of that first book that I was approached by someone at a conference. Um, I went to an educator conference, and I was selling the book at a table with the publisher. And someone approached me and said, hey, I would love to partner with you to write your next book. Um, His name was Bob Sorensen. He's really big into um, a parenting philosophy company called Love and Logic, which I always believed in. It's all about raising responsible kids. So I sat down with him and we co-wrote our second book with the same publisher. And so that those two books just kind of started rolling. And um, somewhere along the line in that process of co-writing the book, I was like, I like doing this. I like, you know, I want to choose the illustrator. I like working with the editors um, and the graphic design team. I think I want to do this on my own. So according to my contract, I was able to, you know, walk away from the publishing contract. I own the copyright. Mm -hmm. And that is when I started self publishing. So let's see two books with a publisher. And then um, I have nine books total. So the rest I self published.
0: Okay. But you know, it's I, I already heard you saying it. But you know, it's funny that even the word self publishing, I mean, obviously, you have, you know, illustrators, you have editors, I mean, this idea that like, people just throw stuff out there it's like no it really is a team it's a collaborative effort and you know, especially when you find you know editors you like and and work well with and illustrators um, so so talk a little bit just kind of behind the scenes when it, when it comes to um, I, I find this an interesting conversation This could probably help a lot of people especially those that want to write you know um, middle grade children's books you know picture books um, the illustrators that, that's always a big question you know it's one thing to write the book but you know how do you find an illustrator just as an indie publisher um, that you know this isn't going to charge you $80 million, you know? And uh, I mean, that's, that's the one of the problems that keeps people from it is the the cost. But, but you know, how did you find an illustrator that you really liked and, and what did that look like?
1: So I actually started by looking at my own children's book library and I, I found illustrations I liked, and then I would look to see, okay, who is the illustrator? I'd go to their website. Who are they represented by? So those first few illustrators, um, gosh, there was one I wanted so bad and she was so expensive, but this is how I found her agency. There was an illustrator I loved. I found who she was represented by and I contacted that agency out of New York and um, priced her out and her budget was like $14,000 and I was like, I do not have that much money to pay for an illustrator, but illustrations are really important to me, so my budget is actually higher than most of my colleagues who run publishing companies, Mm -hmm. um, but it's still not that high. So anyhow, um, I worked with an agency and I loved working with an agency because basically I would talk about the style I enjoyed. You are able to look through online portfolios, pick out maybe five or six. The agency will get back to you, tell you the cost. Are they available? And then they'll negotiate everything for you. They handle the contract. It's super professional, and that to me was important. I didn't want to just be hiring someone off Fiverr and hoping it would work out. Mm-hmm. And the other cool thing is you can work with people who already have Illustrator books, and they have a following on social media, and they're active, and then it will help you to promote that book as well.
0: So what you're saying is just you need to stock them. Is that what, what I'm hearing? Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I use different agencies, mm-hmm. right, and then... Just... And then just stalk them and look through books and figure out who represents them. I mean, we on a title that we're working on right now that will be released in 2019. We had a really hard time finding an illustrator um, for a specific book, and um, the illustrator we really wanted was twenty six thousand dollars and not available for three years. Oh wow! So it's and I'm so excited for these illustrators that they're so busy and that um, you know they're they're able to charge higher fees. They're they're doing great.
0: Well, yeah, and you know, I mean, the obvious for a writer who's writing eight hundred words versus an illustrator—that's, you know, it's just going to take months and months. I mean, it's it's a little different muscle, you know, to really get it right. I'm, my uh, my sister-in-law, she she does some illustrations, and I mean, she had to do a hundred illustrations to get—I forget how many actual usable, you know, usable illustrations. I mean, it's just a long process, I and mean, it's why they they charge a lot. And uh, but that's that's really helpful. And I, I you know, I was joking about the stocking thing, but 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 also. <laughs> You know, I, I've done that where you know I saw a cover that I really liked in an ebook, and I clicked on the link because a lot of times they have the the cover artist right there. And I I went to this website, and I was like, oh my goodness, this is really great work, and it's reasonable. And you know, I ended up finding one of my cover artists for that. And uh, it, it, there's so many resources out there. I, I mean, I think sometimes it is. It's I hear you saying the, these artists really captured kind of what I was going for. I mean, when you, when you saw their portfolio, when you, you know, you said, these are the ones I want to chase down. It's not just random, like who can do it cheapest, but it's also like who can really tell the story the way I want to tell it. And I think that's important and knowing genre, know, you know, and having experience and all that, um, covers are, are extremely important. So, um, so so you you had great success spaghetti and a hot dog you're you know wrote nine more books since then now let's let's transition into the genesis of cardinal rule press um because that obviously didn't exist uh when you first were starting um but obviously you were learning some things along the way and said hey i i think this is something i want to do so talk a little bit about how that how that began your own um traditional publishing house
1: Yeah. Well, again, I didn't want to have a traditional (laughs) publishing. I didn't want to do this. Like this was not part of my plan. So you're getting, you're getting to see a common theme here. Like Mm -hmm. I had this plan for my life. I was going to be a teacher for my entire (laughs) life. And um, I'm here, I am working in the summer. One of my teacher friends ran into me the other day and she's like, How's your summer? Oh, you're probably working, aren't you? And I was like, <laughs> I know, what's this? Right. Um, but I, I do, I wouldn't take any of it back because, you know, honestly, I'm working a lot less than I was as a teacher and um, being able to bring in more. So, you know, it all works out, but it was not part of my plan. Um, I was approached a few years ago by an NFL player to, again, co write a book. I loved his story, Stephen Tullick, and I signed on, and I was like, absolutely, let's do this. Um, the Little Linebacker came out in 2000, maybe 15 or 16, and I was working with the distributor at the time, and at that time, on the back of my books, it said, Making Spirits Bright, one book at a time. Little tagline, had a little logo. Um, my company name is Maria Desmondi Inc., registered with the state, um, and my uh, distributor said, hey, you're starting to do more books and now you're starting to put other people's names on your books. You can't really have your company Maria does money. Like no. we suggest you kind of like get a website, like, you know, have you considered having an official publishing press? And I was like, Oh, well no, I haven't considered it. And they weren't necessarily telling me to do it, but you know, I'm a people pleaser. And I was like, well, I guess I should do it now. Mm-hmm. So my team, which I love my team. I had a friend who helped me come up with the name, um, she's my copywriter. My graphic designer pulled together this amazing logo. Mm-hmm. Spaghetti and the hot dog bun has a cardinal hidden throughout the text. Nice. Um, cardinals remind me of family members who passed away. And so all my books are also about the cardinal rule. And so Cardinal Rule Press was born. There we go. Um, it's on the books. And Yeah. So then after the little linebacker came out, I still wasn't really sure if I wanted to be like an official publisher. I thought, well, this was a fun project, but I just still don't know where I'm going with this. Um, I met with a business coach and she just kept saying, I think you're ready for something different. I think you're ready to be bringing in clients. Like, you know what you're doing. You should be educating others on how to, you know, make writing a career. And I heard that, but I didn't listen to her because I usually don't listen to people the first time. Okay. And about a year later, I was like, oh gosh, I think I, I think that I want to publish for other people. So this is what I'm doing now. And I, my last book came out this last April, and I don't plan on writing any more of my own books for right now. And I'm completely focused on my clients. Mm-hmm. And I have two authors, and we are going to be um, releasing books for them in 2019.
0: Oh, great. So
1: part of, part of it that I'm really excited about is I like I told you, I have this pod of publishers that I connect with and I'm really taking my clients on and educating them. I really want to give them, you know, a lift and a boost so that they kind of have an understanding of what to do as a, as mm-hmm. a writer. Mm-hmm.
0: No, it sounds like, I, you know, searching around your, your website, too. I mean, do, you do some coaching and, and you know, you help with marketing and and you do a lot of you know, I mean call called handholding, but, but I think that's really important because I think, you know, when you're, when you're this massive machine, you know, traditional publisher, New York, you know, people don't realize, like you said earlier in the interview, you know, the, the marketing is really on you and, and people just don't know what to do. I mean, they, they write the book, they, they get it out there, but then it's like, now what, um, to have someone that can coach them and help them and and share their experiences is such a a vital thing. And, um, so, so when you were kind of, you know, falling into publishing, what, what did you want to, I mean, I hear you saying some of it, but what did you want, uh, or I should say, how did you want to make your publishing house unique or different? I mean, I know it's, it's mainly kids books, but, but you know, what, what underneath it did you say from your own experience? As you said, I just want to, I want this to be a little bit different. Here's how.
1: Yeah. And it's really the education and educational part of it. So I, you know, brought on to just two authors, I'm starting out very slow, because mm-hmm. I still have a little one at home. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I have pretty, pretty strict boundaries here. So until he goes to school, I'll start with two authors next year, maybe four the next year, maybe six, the following kind of bring it on. But the education part is really important to me. So I before I actually signed authors, I had like an intake interview with them. So you know, I found manuscripts that I really liked and I had people on my team go over them and um, we narrowed it down and I had interviews with those authors to kind of see like what do you want to do with this book? like is it you just want to have a book on the bookshelf because that wasn't enough for me. Mm-hmm. I wanted to find people who are very passionate about the work and who mm-hmm. wanted to be part of marketing, be part of you know growing their brand as an author. And so part of it is you know I have this marketing package and we bring them on for six weeks of mentorship. Um, we bring them on for a whole Cardinal Rule Press Academy is what we call it, and I've put together this entire program where they can go into a portfolio of inter- or, um, recorded um, recorded uh, interviews that I've given out on different topics. So I have like a 20 minute interview they can listen to about virtual visits, how to do a virtual visit. Um, I have resources and there articles that will help them, different tools. So that, to me, was really important, was, one, to stick to our mission statement, which is realistic fiction. Um, We do not have any, um, you know, dancing dinosaurs or singing fish Mm -hmm. in our stories. So one is realistic fiction picture books. So it's a very niche company. Um, And two, we really want to bring on people who are passionate about the work and who want to be, um, you know, successful in Mm -hmm. uh, getting their message out there.
0: Yeah. No, and that's really good. I think people listening, you know, you you almost have to decide, you know, am I just someone who wants to hold a book in my hand or, you know, do I have a message I really want to share and, and, and do more than one book? I mean, I think that's for a lot of authors. It's not just the one it's saying, Hey, I have, I have nine books in my head, you know, (laughs) or, or I want to make a career out of this. And, and I, I love that. I love your approach. I think, you know, being able to really walk people through, coach them, give them resources, um, you know, we're fine. I'm finding that too. I, I mean, I get emails weekly, like, how do you do this? How do you know? I got my book. It's not selling. What do I, you know, where do I go from here? And, and, and there's so much, there can be conflicting, um, advice as well. Um, I think, mm-hmm. you know, that there's, you know, the magic, Hey, just get on social media and blast your books everywhere. And it will just sell books and we know that doesn't work. So, uh, you know, and, th- and, th- and there is a social media part, but it's like, how do you do that? Well, how do you, you know, and, and especially for kids, I mean, you obviously have a unique, um, you know genre that you're in, and it's a little. You're really selling to to adults. <laughs> so what is that? It's
1: very. It's interesting because yeah. your target market isn't For, even children. Right, right. I mean, it's children like, are not going on Amazon no. buying your book. They might be telling Alexa yeah. to buy your book. Right, but. right.
0: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they don't have debit cards. I mean, that'd be terrifying. Um, I know yeah. my kids would go crazy. But um, yeah. So so yeah, you, you, I, I think you have a very unique um, perspective, which I think is really helpful. So so let, let's um let's just get into just a couple more kind of advice tips tricks so someone that is looking to get published whether that's kids or otherwise i mean what are some things that you're maybe learning it could be negative as well just w- when you said you had kind of an intake you know people maybe this isn't the right fit but what are some things you're seeing that that could be helpful for people to consider when they're thinking about publishing i mean where's kind of first steps what should they be kind of working on
1: Yeah, I think the first steps would be your why, because I have had clients before Ryan who say, you know, I just want this one book. Um, It's a memoir. I want to I want like 200 copies. I want to be able to give it out at a family reunion. Mm -hmm. You have to really consider what is your why, because I would never tell that person to get a publisher that is a traditional press. I would say, go to Create Space on Amazon and self-publish and you will be good to go. Mm -hmm. Um, So one, you have to really consider what is your why? Uh, Do you want to make this a career? Do you want to do book signings and travel around? And do you want to connect with your readers? Um, That's another thing to be a writer and to not want to connect with your readers. I know there are a lot of writers that are um, introverts and don't really want to connect with people. So just kind of consider like, what is your why? And then finding a publishing path that matches that why, like I said, that person who wants a memoir just for a family reunion, I would say self-publish. Someone who... Um, For example is a speaker. So um, there was a a client that I worked with and he Spoke to baby boomers about health and wellness Um, His life title is an adventurer So he literally like climbs mountains and does all these really cool things and he his his career is a speaking engagement and talking to baby boomers Mm -hmm. So my suggestion to him was you either self-publish or work with a hybrid publisher. So he didn't have the time to do all the self-publishing aspects of it. So he was able to work with a hybrid publisher who took him through the entire process, but he was able to um, get more income from those books than working with a traditional press because it was lined up a little bit differently because a hybrid publisher takes Elements from self-publishing and from a traditional press and it's a combination of the two So just really considering, you know, because his whole purpose was he wanted to have the books with him at his speaking engagements to sell So he didn't necessarily need them in Barnes & Noble. He didn't need Mm -hmm. them to be sold all over online, but he wanted them in his possession. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a a couple different things, but I think the biggest one is, number one, what is your why? And then just start researching publishing companies and figuring out, you know, who would you submit to and talking to people, too. Like, do you know of anyone who's ever published? Get their feedback. Um, That was something I reached out to a few authors when I first got that first deal. I I reached out to authors that worked with that same company and I heard crickets and that made me really sad. I thought, gosh, here I am looking for a mentor and people aren't willing to chat with me about this, which is another stream of revenue that I started early on was I started my consulting business. At first, I just would have coffee with anybody who wanted Mm -hmm. to talk about how I published a book. But then I had a few children, and I was like, oh, geez, I'm going to have to pay a babysitter to tell you how I did this? I can't do that. (laughs) Um, So I was able to take all those questions. Like you said, you get all the same questions. Mm -hmm. I created a course because I was like, here's a course. All the same questions everyone keeps asking me, or let me charge you for my time, and I will answer all of your questions. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. I hope that helps. No, that's really good.
0: I, I think you know that—that's the the daunting task. It, it's the why. It's it's you know what do you really want to want to do? I you know I I have a a friend who sent me a manuscript and he's like hey, I've been piddling with this sci-fi you know novel for three years and I said well it just seems like you're not that serious about it like you you just kind of you know if you're just poking and prodding it's just a hobby it's just a hobby with words and that's fine like there's a place for that. But, you know, you have to decide, like, what you really want to do with it. I mean, if you really think this is a message and a story that people want to hear, well, you know, you can't just, you know, you got to put your butt in the chair and work on it, you know. Yeah. Um, And, you know,
1: I think getting different perspectives is really important because, I mean, I was my mouth dropped open when I got my first client for consulting who was coming from a traditional deal. He had worked for 10 years with traditional publishers and wanted to self-publish. And in my mind, I was like, why? Mm -hmm. Because I was self-published and I always wanted to find a traditional Mm -hmm. deal. And I thought, because at the beginning, it was really frowned upon to be with um, a subsidized publisher. It was really frowned upon to self-publish. And I would walk around with my head like this, you know, thinking, gosh, I'm not good enough. I'm not, you know, published by Scholastic, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I had my first client and then a second client who came to me, traditional published, but wanted to go Mm -hmm. self-publishing, I was like, oh, interesting Mm -hmm. perspective, you know. So it's good to hear different stories.
0: Yeah, it's it's an exciting time. It's a different day. I mean, the the quality is is you know much different, and more people are more knowledgeable. It's not it's not frowned upon. It's not a stigma anymore. I mean, I think no. I think traditional authors a lot of them aren't making a living. I mean, they they do have to go teach and they do have to do other things because they just the advances aren't there and marketing's not there. And you know, one time it was it was a lot better. So, yeah, looking at all the options now. Um, just just as we kind of get to the back end of the the interview, um, you are a writer as well, and so you know, give us, I always love to hear just perspective on writing. So, um, you know, obviously you've been, you've written a lot of kids books and, and I think it's a very unique muscle to flex. Um, what are some just tips and tricks when you think about writing a kid's book? I mean, what should people be thinking about it? It's not as easy as I just finished my first middle grade and it's not as easy as you, you think you're just like, Oh, well, I mean, Hardy boys, right? I mean, come on. It's not that hard. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah. so just, you know, walk, give us like a you know, two or three, just kind of
1: things to think about. Yeah. Well, number one, if you think you're good at rhyming, you may not be. (laughs) (laughs) So it's writing a children's book and throwing in rhyme is more than just throwing in rhyme. Mm So, um, don't don't go in it alone, which leads into my tip number two, is to hire an editor early on. So there are a couple different types of editors. Um, there's a content edit, editor that I would hire very early on and have them look at that first draft and help you right after the first draft. If you're writing a middle or younger, a young adult book, I would write just a few chapters and I would get a content editor in that early just to help you see are you structuring it correctly. Um, You know, they're gonna help you with your character development, especially if you're writing middle grade and young adult. Have you developed your character appropriately by chapter three and four you know, other than waiting until your book is finished, you have 30 chapters and then you hire someone, they're like, Oh, your character development, we need to go back and revise like six chapters. So I think getting a professional editor early on is really helpful. Um, Another tip would be to, um, you know, if something's not working, put the book away and come back to it another day. Like don't force anything that doesn't feel like it's coming to you. Um, I think writers have writer's block. It's a very common thing and you should just pay attention to that and be very in tune. Uh, some of my best ideas have come to me, um, in the car mm-hmm. and one of my books, I wrote half of like the outline at the doctor's office on the back of a target receipt. Um, and then I lost the receipt and I had to start from scratch, but like, you know, like if you're getting an idea, I carry notepads around with me everywhere because that's, those are when my great ideas come. When I sit down to write, I'm usually like, what am I supposed to write? (laughs) So it's, it's, you know, I try not to force it. I Mm -hmm. try to let the ideas come naturally when, when they're available.
0: That's good. No, that's good. I I think, um, especially on kids, on the kids stuff, you know, having someone look at it first, you know, to say, Hey, this isn't working or, you know, the language isn't working or the story doesn't work or whatever it is. Um, I I think any book, I mean, I think that's, that'll uh that'll preach for any kind of author any kind of genre i mean just I do keep... have
1: yeah and i have one more really good yeah, go ahead. Really, really, really good tip is do your market research mm. go to the bookstore yes. go to the library yes. and make sure there is not another book like yours because i've had people say i have this great idea and i'm like oh that is a good idea have you heard of the book so and so cuz mm-hmm. it's kind of the same thing like you know you you really do want to do your research
0: yeah yeah no i think that's that's great um so Someone's thinking about publishing, you know, they want to get in the Cardinal Rule Press family. Um, they're thinking about next steps. Um, you, know, you know, what would you, what advice would you give? I mean, how do they connect with you? How do they, I mean, I know you do coaching, you do all kinds of stuff, but you know, what would, what kind of next, next steps be?
1: Yeah. So I, our company opens the doors. We have about a three month period where we accept submissions and that's going to begin in November. So you've got between now and November, whenever this is released. um, And then we uh, accept the submissions and then we review and we get back within a three month time period. And that's kind of our process, but we are on social media. Um, Our two biggest areas are Instagram and Facebook. And we have to do a lot of free education on Facebook. So Actually, I'm really proud of our Cardinal Rule Press Facebook page because someone on my team puts out a lot of great content there. So if you are someone who wants to get published and you're considering it, you're going to find a lot of great tips and tricks on our Facebook page. So that's a good place to start. And that's the thing. We're like supporting writers, whether or not you come to us, because Mm -hmm. I truly believe this is such a fantastic job to have. And I want to help other people um, make their dreams of writing come true. Mm,
0: That's great. Well, I can tell Maria from your website and from talking to you and hearing your interviews that you definitely love this and are a big, uh, book and writing evangelist. And, uh, and it's so great to hear your story. And, uh, so go, yeah, go check out the Instagram and Facebook carnival press. And then as far as uh, finding you, Maria, what's like the best way to, to find you, um, where, where, where can people connect with you?
1: Yeah. So, me personally, they can email me. I, you know, Maria at cardinalrulepress.com. And then I love Instagram too. So I'm. I'm. It's the only social media that I haven't passed over to team members. So it's me. It's real. It's authentic. So I am Maria Desmondi Books or Cardinal Rule Press on Instagram. And I. It's crazy, but I connect wholeheartedly with educators and other writers there. And it's, it's a lot of fun. I actually, um, made a friend on Instagram and she lived in the neighborhood next door to mine. Oh, that's
0: funny. that's so, funny.
1: <laughs> so, and we just met in real life and I was like, yeah. this is so cool.
0: Yeah. That's so funny. I always get these emails and they're like, Hey, aren't you in Kansas City? And I'm like, wait, you're like two miles from me. Um, we can have coffee. I love that. Uh, yeah. Well hey Maria Thank you so much For coming on the show And you really helped A lot of people today And um, just thank you For sharing your advice Your experiences Your wisdom And um, and just hope for all the best It sounds like things Are going great And I just yeah Hope you have Continued, continued success
1: Absolutely And thank you For putting this out there This is a great resource For people My pleasure Bye
0: bye Well there you have it Prolific writer nation Maria Dismondi Wow Wow what a great interview! Thank you, Maria, for coming on the show and sharing all your wisdom and knowledge uh, when it comes to publishing, when it comes to writing, when it comes to kids' books. And uh, I, I just love her uh, style. I love the the method. I love the the business. Um, the, the idea of thinking like a publisher, the things she's learned, uh, the, the ups and the downs and, uh, just a lot to learn. So go check out Maria's, uh, work and, uh, I'm going to put her email. She actually gave me her email address and I'll put that in the show notes and you can find her on Instagram, Facebook, check out Cardinal rule press. If you are happy to be a children's author, you're interested in, in publishing children's books, she would be a great resource to talk to and she coaches authors and helps them get their work out into the world. And so, go check out Maria Desmondi, Cardinal Rule Press, uh, and thank her again for coming on the show. So much to think about, and, and I really think the the takeaway for me this week is is really about the publishing, thinking like a publisher. That that you don't have to have your own, you know, traditionally published company. But 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 I think once you start making a few bucks and you know setting up your writing and, and, and getting serious, I think there's a mind shift that happens when, when you say, you know what. Maybe I, I make a few bucks. Maybe I can pay a few bills. Hey, that's great. Uh, but, but, you know, once money comes in and, and once you start thinking like a publisher, I think you, you start making different decisions and, uh, and wiser decisions and you take it a little more seriously. And, and, and so, uh, so hopefully that, that's an encouragement to you. Um, it doesn't mean you have to write a million books tomorrow, um, but, but really thinking like a publisher and thinking how a publisher would, would think. Uh, to write your books, create your books, and market them and, and get them out in the world and, and share the message that you have. Uh, I know many of you have messages you want to share and leave behind, legacies you want to leave behind, and uh, and so this is a, a good way to do that. hope you're encouraged today, and uh, go check out rockhousepublishing.com and check out the, the resources there and uh, hopefully you're encouraged by that as well and it can be helped. Send me an email. Send me a comment, questions. Anyone you'd like on the show, let me know. Feedback, comments are always welcome. So glad for all the kind comments and reviews and ratings. If you do get a chance, go ahead and leave a, leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play or Spotify, wherever you listen to the show. It really helps get the show out into the world. So thank you so much for listening in this week and so many great interviews coming down the pipe. And I'll talk to you real, real soon. But before I go, go get those words on the page. Once upon a time, a madman, poet, and thief known as John Odensick, That's me challenged himself, myself, to write a story a day, every day, for a year, by hand. Some of them worked, some of them failed, some of them were spectacular. And then I did it again. Join me every week for ink stains as I do it a third time. And I will read you some of these stories, I'll talk about the process, about creativity in general, writing in specific, and maybe I can help with your artistic adventures. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.